It's not just about changing the conversation. It's about changing the goal of the conversation. It's not just about trying to be right or trying to prove somebody wrong, but it's about seeking to understand, seeking to learn and seeking to grow. And when that's the objective of our conversation, that's when everybody starts to win. If you don't understand, don't misunderstand. And a lot of people, when they don't understand, they already draw their conclusion or make assumptions that their perception of what they understood is the reality. If we're not trying to be right or trying to make somebody else wrong, but we're seeking clarity, that's where the bridge can actually be crossed. All right. Welcome to It's Not So Black and White. Um, you know, we just got a lot of problems in the world and we're going to try and solve all of them <laughs> in like a single episode. But the goal here is actually to broach some of these difficult topics because we seem to like fight everybody else, especially on the internet, especially on social media, over a bunch of stuff. Maybe we don't need to fight over. We could actually just sit down and have a conversation about. It. And so I think the idea behind this is we're going to tackle some of the difficult topics that are staring us in the face and see if we can have a civil conversation and maybe even disagree. Maybe we can get a little heated. We'll see. But uh, yeah, anyway, so uh, I've got Kyle and Lamar with me uh, because they're two brilliant thinkers who have challenged me on things and taught me things that I, I might not always think of because I'm from small town Canada and they have an entirely different perspective, <laughs> you know, being, being from the U.S. And so um, I think that's super helpful. So I think we, we're going to jump into uh, why everyone like basically lines up and takes a side and uh, talk about some of the hot button issues that are that are happening today. So I'm just going to lob that one out to the middle of the middle of the crowd here and go. <laughs> uh, hmm. What are some of the hot button issues that are that are happening right now? Especially, well, Canada's actually. Uh, I think they're making the news. I'm, I'm sure some of the U.S. is somewhat aware that we're 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 having some problems up here. So what, what, what's, what's reported down there? Well, basically, um, you are making the news. <laughs> we do see the truckers. <laughs> we do see that um, Canada is, um, Trudeau is, is on a mission to do something. We don't know what it is. Um, we do see that the protests are going on and that, um, the issues are pretty similar to what's going on here in the U.S. Um, vaccinations, unvaccinated, what your opinion is on vaccinations. And, you know, of course, here in the U.S., everybody's like, if you're not vaccinated, you're the reason we're like this. It's because of you. So there are so many different reasons and topics and layers to this that I think that um, when you're in a country, um, you tend to think that it's only going on in your arena and is actually something that's a lot bigger. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'm under any uh, any uh, impressions that it's just one country. Though I think the the I think the whole thing is so global. It's hard to even get our minds around to kind of you know even emotionally like trying to understand how to how to handle something that's not just like collective in the sense of like you know can our city handle this? Can our state handle this? Can our country handle this? But it's a global problem and. And everything just feels like a leaky sieve right now. So we're just reacting to the little parts with the fervor that we should probably be using for the overall problem. But the overall problem is too big. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of my, my view of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't look, I don't think any, anybody was really prepared for, for what was going to happen. And, and uh, like, I think, you know, the, the trucker protests, for example, we have here in Canada, really what they were about is, maybe two years of pent up frustration, um, 
I mean, I mean, I think a certain amount of government incompetence is inevitable. It's just kind of the nature of government is it's they're, they're an efficient, inefficient way of doing things, and they're going they're going to be incompetent. But uh, I think also there's been a lot of like shooting themselves in the foot as well. They don't they don't help matters by by kind of like being corrupt and being hypocritical in, in the way that they they approach some of these things, or at least get you know. And so, uh, and I don't know that we can solve corruption anytime in in, in the system either. But uh, then then you have the media which grabs a hold of this stuff. And, and, and they basically are like, Hey, let's, let's build a flaming bonfire on this side and uh, blame yeah, Try and put those words together again, a flame, like basically a flaming bonfire of emotion for, for whatever the, whatever uh, side they happen to be on. And just creating this huge divide in, in, in people. And because of that, we, uh, we end up like hating different people because they, they have a different opinion than us. And it just seems like, I, I don't know what the end of that road is. Well, a lot of people dying. That's the end of it. Right. I mean, it's, it's basically mass confusion. And in the U.S. anyway, it feels like kind of a breakdown of the healthcare system. You know, it's a we're going to be cleaning up this problem that was, you know, created, happened, whatever occurred. We're going to be cleaning it up for a really, really long time. I mean, we're at we're at, I mean, in my opinion, well over a million. But let's just let's just round down and say 950, you know, 900,000 to a million people dead of COVID. Yeah. That's just a big thing. And and that's just people who've died from COVID. That's not the people who've been debilitated by it and the people who will be debilitated by it and the people who've died that it hasn't counted toward COVID for a variety of reasons. Um, I know I was tracking stats a lot for the for the first year or so. And the, the deaths, I know excess deaths is kind of a nebulous term, but um, kind of deaths above average was yeah, yeah. In, in my home state of Arizona, only about 60% of those were actually COVID or recorded as COVID. They could have been COVID. Um, right. But they were just for whatever reason, they weren't, it wasn't just that they were just stacking COVID on top of extra deaths. There was a, there was another set of deaths on top of that that were either not counted as COVID or sort of, sort of subsequent to the chaos that COVID caused. So, um, and, and we're seeing it now and just, just, limited workforce like the you know there's just stores like <laughs> just retail outlets that can't stay open because they don't have people you know? right yeah yeah it's a, wild, it's a wild time well if i was a, if i was a conspiracy theorist <laughs> that this well so, <laughs> uh i i think I, i'm just uh what you know i can take one step back and say why do conspiracy theories even grab people's attention and i think it's because they're so What's the word like? They're so fantastical that if they're actually true, it would be terrifying. And our imagination grabs onto things like that and runs away with it and then starts to make connections that maybe don't necessarily exist. Um, I, I think in the, in that realm, I'm more of the opinion, like most of the conspiracies that are taking place are actually really boring and happening in plain sight. Yeah. It's, it's you know, much more exciting to think about a secret meeting in a random pizza shop than, you know, uh, something buried in a 900 page piece of legislation yeah. that, you know, is, is kind of slowly eroding you know i don't know this sounds personal freedoms or liberties or whatever people are are, are yelling about uh yelling about these days but conspiracy, conspiracy theories aside um that there's the whole idea of like covid deaths or deaths with covid versus deaths from covid and uh, you know our numbers being inflated or are they being undersold or does it depend on what side of the right. aisle you're on right. right so i mean i think that gets into the to the area of you know one the the media is pumping out a lot of numbers or, or a lot of terms like COVID related deaths, um, and again, what we know, you know, going kind of backtracking a little bit, going to conspiracy theories, um, in terms of vaccines, for example, vaccines are hey they're safe and this is not 
an argument for or against, but just an argument for argument's sake. Um, they say vaccines are safe. We've tested it. We know these. We know this. These are the numbers. This is safe. This is perfect. If you get this vaccine, there's nothing's going to happen to you. So anybody who says anything that potentially or in any way opposes a vaccine, they're automatically considered conspiracy theorists or anti-vaxxers. So you have a situation where you take every medication that comes on the TV in a commercial in the U.S. and probably across the world. And there's one I even recorded. I don't even remember what the medication was at this time. It was one I recorded. It listed 22 side effects on TV. And it ended with, and these are not all the possible side effects from this medication. So now you have the science that says, um, you know, these are perfectly safe. And you have somebody who says, well, this is what we're noticing, a trend in this particular incidence. So, for example, if you have an eye problem or if you have a heart problem, whatever your particular medical condition is, we notice those are being exacerbated. Those things are starting to come up more. So there's creating, let's say, I don't know, let's say there's creating inflammation in one area that you already have a problem for, which may lead to the COVID related death. So I guess one of the biggest things that I think becomes um, that hot topic button is the fact that you have people who are who are fully vaccinated, which is fine. You have people who are not vaccinated, which I also believe is fine. But to say that anybody who says or questions, not even makes an accusation, not even totally goes against the numbers of the science, but anybody who who merely questions, well, what about this? They're automatically considered in a, in a category that says you're a conspiracy theorist or you're an anti-vaxxer. So mm. I think that creates just an environment where it automatically puts up those walls because now it goes back to something we had a conversation about where if you don't believe like I believe, you're wrong. And I automatically separate from you. I'm automatically distancing myself from you. Right. And and Kyle, I, I, I'm going to let you jump in here, too, because I, I know your thoughts. And you got some pretty good things to share here, too. But uh, um, f- for me, I like to I like to try to understand, like, where where this comes from. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to steal your analogy, Kyle. I'm going to let you share that. because <laughs> no, no, you, no, you, you have a good analogy on, on in terms of uh, basically take, taking care of the fire before you figure out. Uh, I forget what it is before you figure out, like, where the corruption is in the fire department or something like that. Uh, it's different every time. <laughs> it's different every time but but the idea being um like for example um i i come from the west coast i come from british columbia and over there we have you know i come from vancouver island and, and there's lots of tree hugging granola munching hippies there and maybe even like well we even have eco-terrorists and we actually had a recent eco-terrorist attack in 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 british columbia and you, you know like i don't like greenpeace necessarily i don't necessarily like their methods but i think their existence I don't wish that they didn't exist necessarily. Um, I, I think what it is, is they create a challenge to the current system. That I mean, I agree with them or the position they hold, right. but I appreciate that they're there challenging the system. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a criminal defense lawyer. I, I don't know, like other than criminals, I'm not sure who else likes criminal defense lawyers. Like it's, it's gotta be the most thankless job out there, but, what they do is is they cut, they stress test the system and they you know in a sense they they pr- present this counterbalance where it's like you have to as a, as a police officer you kind of have to do your due diligence if you know you're coming up against a good lawyer because you know they're going to pick apart your evidence and your methodology and so on and so forth and so it's to say that there there's a place for people who are kind of willing to challenge things it doesn't mean they're right but it's kind of like stress testing um, maybe the hypothesis that's being put forward. So with that, I want to lob it over to you and, and Kyle and then let you jump in on this. No, I mean, I agree with all that. I think that, <clears throat> I think that part of the, everybody taking sides that what that 
whole situation belies is the fact that we're living in a in more uncertainty with COVID than we've ever lived with anything. You know, we have our we have our our lives down pretty well, right? We have our own healthcare issues sort of locked in, whether we have them or not. You know, we have our lives day to day figured out, and then COVID comes along, and it's not known. It just isn't known, right? It's they call them novel virus for a reason. We have no idea what it's going to do, and I think any conversation about how to handle it sort of has to start with that. And and I think right. personally, so I am fully vaccinated. I got it. You could have shot it in my eyeballs day one. Because, <laughs> because, because I know what COVID does already. I'd, I'd seen a year plus of what COVID was doing. The side effects that people were worried about with the vaccine, as far as I could tell, were the same or worse with COVID itself. Now, again, I don't judge people either, and I'm very much against mandates. I don't like the idea of the government telling people what to actually put in your body. I'm very much in favor of other mandates for the reasons like we were talking about. So, so the analogy that John alluded to, I, I use it for a lot of stuff is it's, it's a house fire. You know, the house is burning down. The, the thing you do with a house fire is get out of the house and put the fire out. And sort of the, the debate the, I find the debate around how to put it out and um, whose fault it is very nebulous or very, very superfluous, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I know on the in, the in the United States anyway, on the right wing, there was a lot of like, this came from China. They were calling it China virus and all this stuff, which is which is like, like whatever. Like, so maybe it came from there. It doesn't really matter. If the house is on fire, you got to put the house out. And so the, so the discussions should be, any discussion outside of how do we shut this down are very strange to me at all. Now, if you don't want the vaccine, that's totally fine. I, I'll just put my cards on the table. I've been borderline anti-vax until this time. And and, and I'm not anti-vax. I mean, my, I, I'm vaccinated. My kids are partially vaccinated. but um, And I've worked with doctors on it as well. My, my issue isn't, isn't that I all of a sudden trust pharma now. It's that I know I did trust COVID. I did trust that. I did know what was going to happen with that. And there's uncertainty with catching COVID. There's uncertainty with the vaccine. You just have to sort of roll the dice and play which uncertainty you want to want to choose and i think that part of the sort of the the uh what we're talking about as far as like you know people kind of polarizing and saying one way is right one way is wrong it's because everyone picks a side and says their right side is correct i don't think we know i think we're doing the best we can with what limited information we have my personal beef is with people who shut down very reasonable unintrusive things like mask wearing you know Mm -hmm. like put on a mask it's not hard it doesn't do anything. All this stuff about it's like, oh, it's hurting the kids to wear them in schools. Not really. It's not. There's no, nothing even suggests that it does. Put on a mask and wear it until we can figure out what's going on. Now, honestly, I think at this point it's too late. But I'm really upset that people early on in this, the, the reason anti-vax and conspiracy theories get attached together, in my opinion, is when you start attaching things like, well, we don't want the vaccine. Okay, that's fine. We don't want a mask. Okay. We're mad at lockdowns. Sure. We think that that a cabal is running everything. Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, too many things there. Like you got to yeah. fix some of these things. Every every single anti-mandate um, protest I've seen has had anti-maskers. There was a, there was several states have had like mask burnings. It's like I can't I can't take you serious if you don't do anything. Like COVID, the house is on fire. We have to put the house out. Now, how we do it? If your corner of the house you want to put it out separately in a different way, 
fine, but make sure that it works because it's going to burn the whole house down if we don't do anything, right? So unfortunately, we spent so much time sniping over who's correct objectively, but honestly, none of us know what's correct. We just have to, we're, we're in a, we're in a, a very uncertain time when we're trying to kind of wing it, <laughs> you know, we're trying to, <laughs> right, trying to put right. out the fire when we're not sure how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that statement right there said two things. It says that you should do something and it expressed what you believe that something should be, whether it's a mask, whether it's vaccinated. But then at the same time to say we don't know exactly what's going to work. So we can't even say mask will work because there's an argument, for example, um, that masks don't totally protect the person sure. because mm. there, there's, you know, other than certain N95 masks and even those um, to a degree. um you're still getting droplets of whatever you sneeze and not even if you have COVID, but just in general. Um, so there's that there's, um, and on the flip side, like I'm one who, you know, I, I like to respect the environment I'm, I'm in. I, you know, I wear a mask. If the store says, look, this is what we require. I'm carrying my mask, um, out of respect, whether I believe I'm going to get it, whether I believe I'm going to spread it or not, I'm doing that. I can walk into the store and somebody's like, pulling their mask down and sneezing and then put their mask back up. So this, <laughs> yeah. And this literally yeah. happened yesterday morning. So I'm just like, you know, all the time. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I shouldn't laugh, but it just, it, it's, <laughs> no, it's, 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 it sounds so ridiculous that this is yeah. actually, and, and uh, like, wh where are you located right now, Lamar? You're um, right. Yeah. I'm in North Carolina now. Okay. Yeah. And Kyle, you're in Arizona and I'm in, I'm in Alberta, North of Montana. So, we're, we're kind of a redneck place. I don't know about Arizona if it qualifies as redneck or not. Or I don't know what North Carolina, but we're all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of everything going on here. Um, you know, yeah. the country is becoming, you know, the melting pot <clears throat> because everybody from areas are just trying to spread out because one reason or another, um, like originally coming out of New York, um, if you're running from prices getting too high, you, you go to North Carolina, you go to Florida, you go somewhere Dallas or something like that. So I think the country is becoming that that big mix of the melting pot that represents cities like New York, Chicago, L.A. Um, and not I, a bad thing, know, maybe. Um, not. But I think that goes into a whole another topic of, of voting and, and election laws and things that are going on here, which, you know, I'll kind of leave that for either later. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, time. yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it's creating um, some realities that you know, people didn't expect to be dealing with, you know, especially coming in, coming into the time and the seasons we're coming into now, election wise or health wise or otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to just um, touch on this, this sort of mask versus no mask kind of thing. And I think maybe a, a way to approach it would look at it like, okay, what's the cost of doing it versus the potential, like the potential cost of doing it versus the potential cost of not doing it. And so, you know, at the end of the day, let's just say, if, if if masks we find okay masks really didn't work um it, it was it was kind of an exercise in in political theater or something like that like what's the real cost there i think it's pretty small you know an inconvenience a bit of an annoyance uh, i i guess we could probably argue for some plastic waste or some i don't know if those are those blue and white surgical masks if they're recyclable or whatever so this extra waste generator but like in terms of of health i really don't there's not nothing too major the flip side is what if they what if they do have a degree of effect maybe even only 20% let's say 20 they they drop transmission by 20% which doesn't sound like a lot but you multiply it across like so the cost of of not wearing masks if they even have a degree of effectiveness is much more than the cost of like let, let's say wearing them um 
and and you know we could argue about us but i mean there could be the argument put forward about like i don't know the muzzle or the government control or or or, or things like that but like at the end of the day a lot of these things are just kind of just kind of silly expressions of like people's angst and feeling a lack of control over their lives and so right. they need to come up with some kind of boogeyman or scapegoat to get mad yeah. at that's true and and i think that that touches just a little bit on one of the things that i see among people who i would maybe call a conspiracy theorist and i work with these people i know a lot of them who are they see a mask as symbolic not functional and it's it's tough to bridge that gap once you're over on the sort of the symbolic nature of it like man, the government wants to muzzle us or whatever. It's like, I, there's not much talking back I can do from that. You're, you're already kind yeah. of down a path yeah. with that. And it's, we can argue all day about the functional nature of it. You know, when mass, when, when people start, when, when the Fauci and the CDC or whoever um, were first asking people to wear masks, at first they didn't, which was a problem. I think that was a mistake. But um, when they did, it wasn't, the messaging was, you it wasn't about protecting yourself. It was about protecting the people around you primarily. It wasn't until later on when we started getting into like the, the 95 series and stuff where people are like, well, how can I protect myself or whatever? Right. But it was because of it's maybe this is just American selfishness or something. But when, (laughs) when somebody asked us specifically to take care of the people next to us, we saw them as infringing our rights. And yeah. We, we, I mean, not actually me, but (laughs) <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, it was kind of a, it was kind of a weird collective thing we went through of like, oh, they're trying to control us. They're trying to take our freedom and stuff. And it's like, dude, it's, it's a clothing item that might save the person next to you. I don't, I don't know what to do with that. That makes it very difficult to have conversations when, when you've moved on to a symbolism that isn't literal enough to talk about. Yeah. And when mask, when we're talking about masks, like you, John, you mentioned, it's not, it's, it's not a binary thing. It's not everyone wears masks and it goes away. It's you get some sort of percentage improvement, right? And you hope yeah. that, that if, if you, when you're talking about like large scale populations instead of small samples, when you're talking a population, you're talking an incremental improvement. You're talking about something that's nonlinear, right? You're, you're not, yeah. you're, you're hoping to basically, that's the whole flatten the curve thing, right? It's like, you hope that you change something that's from from exponential into, you know, not exponential. Like maybe less people will die. Well, that's hard to sell, right? We like yeah. we like everything prepackaged. We like explain to us like we 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 judge science on its conclusiveness, right? Which isn't really fair. Like most science isn't that way. Most no. science is like we think this will this will help a little bit, so let's all do it. And it's like once again, it's it's hard to get everybody on the same. It's hard to get everybody on the same page with something that's not conclusive. So right. yeah, it's been a really interesting COVID has been really interesting from, from, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about um, sort of behavioral psychology. It's been an absolutely fascinating, yeah, dark, yeah. darkly fascinating, unfortunately, but a fascinating yeah. sort of um, real world experiment on how people sort of reason, receive information, pass information and how they act on it and, and the meaning they give to the information. It's right. been it's been fascinating, infinitely so. Like we'll be writing books about this for years, I think. Well, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I think with a social responsibility piece, because in other cultures, because I've lived, I've lived in other countries around the world. I've traveled to more than almost fifty countries and lived in a number of different countries. And as a result, I've kind of seen how different cultures operate, and I went and lived in those cultures, and 
you know, I, I suppose it, you can't really, it's not really fair to say for someone who's never lived in like another foreign culture, you should sort of understand what it's like. But other cultures have more of this sort of collectivist idea where it's like we do things for, you, you'll particularly see this sort of like in the, in the Asian countries and, and sort of more Eastern culture where there's more a sense of we are a collective group that we, when we do things together versus I am, I am an island, I am an individual and, and I'm celebrating, you know, it's it's like almost this uniquely American phenomenon where there's there's like this death grip on liberty, and I almost want to put liberty in air quotes, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> but but yeah. that it's like this strange, even like in Canada, it, it's been a little bit different compared to the, sort of the American response. But the the idea of social responsibility, where it's like, um, why why maybe why don't we feel a sense of responsibility of those who are around us, and why do we see it as an expense as opposed to uh, a net benefit when we care, if we care about the others around us. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird, that's a, a fascinating thing. The idea of liberty and freedom and, and what, what is liberty and freedom? Is it, it's, it's, we, we sort of treat it, I think as um, a thing that always exists, not as something that we have to continually fight for. And when, especially when we have to fight collectively, we haven't, you know, it was, it's been a long time since our country's had to pull together and do something above and beyond collectively for the safety of our country. Right. You know, you talk about like when we banded together and like say one of the world wars or something where we started changing furniture factories into building airplanes or something, you know, like, yeah, yeah. you know, the Rosie the Riveter thing and all that. Like that's, that's a couple generations old now. And, and I don't, I'm not just carte blanche saying, you know, oh, Americans are too selfish. I'm selfish, you know, but but it's, <laughs> we all put in a, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm, I would say that I was probably more like, probably more like that a few years ago than I am now. I'm starting to kind of realize like, Oh, this is, this is an interesting problem. We live very collectively more than we, more than maybe I realize because when something like this happens, that spreads between people, we don't, we don't model it well because it doesn't happen to us much. You mentioned the Asian countries. I have some coworkers that are from there that are native to there. And they're very confused why we wouldn't throw on a mask immediately as soon as the virus kicks up. And it's like, well, you guys have done it before, I guess. I, I don't know. It's cultural and it's also experiential, right? We just haven't, you know, yeah. maybe my kids, maybe, I, I don't know, I'm speculating a little bit, but maybe in 10 years, if another one kicks up, it, that's to say that this one ends at some point, which I'm not convinced of, but, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. 10, 15 years down the way, if another one kicks up, I'm kind of curious, like, will my kids throw on a mask and think it's not a big deal? I don't know. I, I, it's It'll be fun. It'll be not fun. It's not going to be a party. It'll be We're interesting. Bouncy castles. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> bouncy castles and parties. We'll do that currently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think it's, it's really... Um, I mean, just some reflection, like when you said, when you talked about World War, you talked about just like the the community where the community bands together. Instantly, I thought about 9-11 and instantly I thought about yeah. being in New York and what was going on and and just everybody in New York City. And I think New York City, um, in a lot of ways, in terms of just how people interact, represents um, the collective United States and that everybody's just kind of doing their own thing. And in that moment, you had people bringing water to people, people helping strangers off of off of the ground and into some place yeah. warm and things like that. Um, those things, it usually took something of, of great magnitude to really draw that out of people. So it's not to say that it's not there. And even that's like, you know, believe it or not, it's like a generation ago. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it yeah. doesn't even seem That's like it. But yeah. But then you now have a generation who's coming up and, and, and not even to blame it on a generation, but you have a generation that's coming up now who are more, um, they're headstrong. They have, and, and I don't say that in a, in a negative way, but we have all of these. We have all of the information we get from these. We have the devices. We have um, the perceptions that we're given. And I think that it really comes down to people developing belief systems. And I think belief systems can be environmental and some belief systems can be genetic. And in this case, in an environmental belief system, you become pretty much the environment that you're surrounded by. So if you're in an environment where this is the primary thought and that's fed to you, we tend to adopt to that. We tend to embrace that because we're rewarded for accepting that system. Um, you do what we do. You do it like we do and you do it better than us or as as good as we do. You're rewarded for that. So I think that that collectively creates um this really deep divide in terms of just where, where we are now currently. Um, you take 2019, 2020, when, when early 2020, when COVID first was like really hitting the U S and there was one message given about, given out about what, how, how dangerous it is and whether it'll go away or not go away. And then you had a group of people gravitate to that, that this is nothing. It's just going to be like, this It's just a flu. And it goes back to what you said. We don't know. Um, and then it became what it became. It's like, well, it's more than just the flu. So if you had underlying conditions, then guess what? This thing was hitting you harder. Um, I had COVID uh, 2020, January 2020. And I remember, uh, and this is before vaccines and before there was anything. I remember the day to, to like literally January 3rd, I trained somebody. I trained two clients. I went home. Um, I felt like I had a cold by 12 o'clock. By three o'clock, I was laid out, 102, 103 fever, um, respiratory issues, barely breathing um, properly. Oxygen saturation was down into the 80s at times and teetering between 80 and 90. Had it for about a month. Um, you know, people are like, well, why don't you go to the hospital? For me, why? They don't even know what it is. So why am I going to them? Um, point being that there were so many messages about this. And then whenever somebody decided to say, well, now we're going to create this one message and say, this is what people have to do. There have already been so many messages about yes, no, maybe, and all points in between that at this point, when everybody says, okay, wear a mask, now you have this side who gravitated to this message say, well, it's not true. It's fake. And you had this side over here say, okay, I'm going to wear a mask regardless because it is true and I've seen it. So I think there was a, a, a sense of confusion that has just like, marinated over that first year, six months to a year. And then ultimately became what it is today, which I think is why it's harder for people to say, you know, what, I'm going to wear a mask, protect you and myself yeah. because there were so many mixed messages. And then yeah. first of all, I want to, I want to throw there. I'm glad you survived it <laughs> extremely. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah because like we, you know, I, like Lamar, you and I, it's funny on, um, on Saturday, I was like, Hey man, you got time for a quick chat. And we ended up talking for four hours. <laughs> so, yeah, our, our idea of a quick chat sometimes goes for a number of hours, and and I'd hate to not have that. Um, but it, I think we should also mention, like, you were a paramedic for a number of years, so you do have a like like a degree of medical knowledge behind you, and so y y maybe you have a little bit more than the average person in terms of how you might at least navigate this in a triage um, scenario. So right. I just wanted to, to kind of put that out there as well for people. Yeah, so I mean, just even even in that environment. Um, one, just 
the level of awareness on what to do, certain things, certain behavior. Like it's weird because I had a there's a coworker of mine. I used to always glove up whenever I went to the gas station. And he would always be like, dude, you're crazy. Like, what are you doing? And and this came up from something separate, like, you know, testing uh samples of the type of bacteria that's on the gas handle. And like, whoa, once you see that. So I just started gloving up. And then the world moved into this big change. And all of a sudden he called me. It's like, man, you were ahead of the time. He said you were too early. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's just in terms of really understanding like the health aspect and 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 the dangers and and all of the things that surround that. This for me, <clears throat> um, in terms of decisions, whether to be vaccinated, whether not to be vaccinated, really boiled down to me just, you know, considering the the medical knowledge, the medical advice, the history of medications, the history of studies of medications. And even now the mRNA vaccine is starting to be questioned by some of the same doctors who were who were preaching it because of the fact that they believe that it was so effective. And now they're um, some of them are now on some of the news outlets saying maybe we have to go back and relook at the mRNA and see if it really is what we thought it is. So and a lot of people I knew within the medical community that their position was, I'm going to wait until this thing plays out for at least two to three years and maybe four to five years before I make a decision. I mean, we're going to be the 20s of the of future generations that they look back on and say, hey, the 20, the, the 20s, the way we look back at the 1920s and, you know, right, 1920s, right. 1920s, we're going to be that generation, that decade where people look at all of these things that happen. And hopefully at that time, they'll have a solution and not still, you know, playing tennis back and forth the way we are with these situations. But, you know, it'll be yeah. interesting to see. Well, it's, it's funny. Cause I'm a, I'm like a cautious late adopter with everything. It's, it's like, it's like my style. Um, granted, if I was, if I was frontline, I'd be probably putting my hand up first as well for, for, for something like this, but because I live in my basement, <laughs> work from my basement and I was like, I'm already like a hermit. And, and, you know, <laughs> so I was like, well, I have the ability to kind of sit back and sort of watch this play out and just sort of see, because, you know, I have, I have a research background as well. I used to be involved in nanotech research and it's like, it does take time for, for data, you know, cause in a sense, we're still conducting kind of a real world, large scale experiment. And that's not said to be alarmist or, or, um, sort of derogatory towards what we're doing with vaccination. I do believe they've, they've helped, but what we've, what we're, I think like what you were alluding to them are, what we're kind of learning is like, it's not, not quite as robust as we had hoped. It's not quite having the effect that we hope, but the mm -hmm. only way we could sort of figure that out is by trying to implement it and then seeing what happens We go, Oh, it's not that necessarily um, people were were wrong about it, but but like it's like we had this idea and we we implemented it, and it wasn't until we put it into practice that we go, oh, okay, shoot, this didn't actually work the way that we thought it was going to work. Right. Now what? Now where do we step? And here's where I think it's a problem that in a sense science has become so politicized. It, it's it's okay. Now what do you do? Do you, do you take a step back? Because I, you know, Kyle, you and I have been back and forth about this a little bit. I kind of felt like one of the really missed opportunities, if there's four pillars to pandemic management, um, one of them is contagion control. So that is like the masking, social distancing, limiting, limiting group sizes, things like that. So we call it contagion control. That's early stage. Um, the second one is like early treatment. And that's what do you do in, in the early stages of when you get an infection? At that point, obviously, like vaccination isn't going to save you because you have an active infection. You can't you know, vaccinate and all of a sudden you're okay. So what do you do there? And I really feel like we dropped the ball on that one there. There were other countries, in particular, some third world countries, and, and because they didn't have access to, they didn't have the money 
to sort of sort of buy vaccination. What they had to do was kind of look at it and go, okay, what are the symptoms that are presenting? And from our sort of medical knowledge, how do we treat this symptom? Let's try this drug and see what this drug does. And it was kind of a bit of a crapshoot, but some some of them have been like quite successful. And and uh, this one hasn't made it to peer review, but I'm, I, I'd love to see more of it. Like Honduras apparently uh, had had like almost like half. Uh, I don't I don't want to don't quote me on this. Put it this way, because um, I just came across this recently. But apparently they had a close to half the death rate, say that the U.S. did, even though they had a lower vaccination rate because they couldn't afford as many vaccines because they're a poor third world country. But because they really went aggressively in, down this early treatment route where it was like, if you get these symptoms, you know, start with these sort of treatments, because we at least know that this will treat this symptom, this will treat this symptom and so on. So I felt like we, we kind of missed the ball on that one because we threw everything into the vaccination basket. And, uh, you know, we could get into conspiracy theories, but why, why we, you know, I, and I don't think there's really a conspiracy theory. I think it was just like, that's the most effective treatment we know. So we really want to push that one. And we're kind of almost afraid to say, because you know, in Canada, it was like when we we got COVID back in early 2020 as well, and we called the hospital, and they were like, uh, basically, call us if you can't breathe or your lips turn blue. That was the medical advice that was dispensed to us. So there's this huge gap. And so, Kyle, you talked about you know broaching or going beyond like a million excess deaths as a result of COVID. And the thing that I keep churning over in my head, and it's kind of too late now. Again, hindsight's 2020. Right. Uh-huh. But had we had we talked about early treatment. Had we said, hey, you know what, we could try to take some of these steps to mitigate it, put a bunch of disclaimers on like you, you do with pharmaceuticals or something. Could some of those excess deaths have been prevented had we showed people, okay, once you get it, here, here's some things you can potentially do to, to mitigate it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that should be done too. I, I don't think I, – I, I would maybe argue with um, the idea that it wasn't done. I think a lot of people have. I think I've seen – I've seen Fair a enough. lot. I, I posted on Facebook a couple months ago a survey of like, I can't remember how many, 30 or 40 studies just on ivermectin. You know, sure, yeah. Kind of a survey of all of them and going across, you know, finding out which ones were legit and whatever. You're, you're, those, you just used a word that's going to get us banned. <laughs> we're now yeah, going to be shadow banned because you said the I word. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, or or other things. I mean, there's there's some other things that I shall not name. They, they, they've the work's been done on a lot of those things, but I think that um, I think that only the people that made the vaccines could make the vaccines, whereas a lot of other organizations could have done some of the other stuff. So I don't right. know that the blame is necessarily placed in the right place. I think that if, yeah, there's, okay. if there's blame, it would be to maybe, you know, the, the sort of the center point for all of it would maybe be the CDC or maybe the World Health Organization, something like that. Those two organizations have absolutely fallen down on their faces over and over and over because they weren't trying to, they were trying to um, firefight in real time. They were saying, like originally they were saying, you don't need to wear masks when it turns out Fauci admitted later that he was just saying that because he didn't want to strain the mask production, right? He wanted to make sure <laughs> right. the frontline people had them. And it's like, they're, they're trying to play, they're trying to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're, they're trying to sort of manipulate people into a good outcome and it's like they're creating a science experiment within a science experiment. It's like, here's an idea. COVID is bad. Let's see what we can do to eliminate it. And and I think that we were talking earlier about how tragedy sort of brings out the best in people. And I think that's a one of our humans, humanity's best qualities. You know, the only two things that make me high five a stranger are surviving a tragedy and sports. And, <laughs> and since we... Yeah. So, so we didn't, we, the messaging, I think some of the worst messaging was at the very beginning, 
just not being sure about what COVID was using terms like it's like the flu, which anchors you. We've talked about like, right. Yeah. Um, you know, a- the, the anchoring, which creates more, um, uh, what's the, what's the <laughs> behavioral norm that I'm trying to think of that we what, basically we everything beyond that reinforces whatever you anchor that originally. Cognitive bias. Yeah. The cognitive biases of like confirmation bias. You, or, you yes, or, yeah. Confirmation bias where like, if you anchor it like the flu, we had no idea if it was like the flu. It seemed like yeah. it kind of was. We had no idea. And so we, and then like, you know, the first thing that Fauci says is don't wear a mask. So now we're anchored at don't wear a mask. And we kept anchoring ourselves at ideas that weren't precautionary. Right. And, right, right, and so right. I, I agree with you. I, I think the messaging just all around has been terrible. And I think you and I maybe disagree on some of the treatments, but at the end of the day, we didn't treat this like, we didn't treat this like it was a tragedy. We didn't treat it like a tidal wave coming at us. We treated it as some sort of political football very early on. I have screenshots yeah. from I have screenshots from Fox News in January and February of 2020 when we barely knew what was happening, saying, "Oh, look at this! The liberals are trying to scare you with coronavirus." And it's like, dude, oh, yeah, you yeah. see what it is first. You don't know what it is first. Maybe it is. Maybe they were. You know, I'll I'll just give you that grace. Maybe. Maybe somebody's trying to rile you up for no reason, but, but, but check first, right? Like, right. you know, if you yeah, hear a smoke yeah. alarm, check for flames first, right? Don't Before you decide to smoke, yeah. Yeah. And I think we, I think a lot of people died because of that. I really do. I think that, I think, I want to say U.S. has what, twice the death rate as Canada, I want to say? I, I believe so. It, it, it's quite significant. It's nonsense like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And then, like, I feel like. COVID, this is like both metaphorically and literally, I feel like COVID laid bare how unhealthy we are as a society. So we could talk about like the physical comorbidities and the problems that come along with that. I know every time I go down to the US, I'm genuinely shocked at like the state of people's physical health. Like I I remember going to Arizona and walking into a Walmart and uh, like my jaw hit the floor because like obviously we have it, we have it, we're grappling with obesity and people being overweight as well. It's a systemic, you know, first world problem all across. But the US seems to have like a unique uh monopoly on like the severe end of it. It's just so so you had you had that piece of the puzzle. But then you think about like this the health of your society. So after the sort of the political cyclone, I'm gonna call it to be polite, that sort of ran for the last four or five years and just the deep divide that's been formed, these ideological divides that mean that we're afraid to listen to information from like somebody who might have a different political opinion than us because it felt it would feel like a betrayal. Like if, if I you know, listen to the yeah. idea of a, uh, you know, I'm I don't know what I am. I'm politically homeless. I'm like you know, I, either side of the aisle, if I, if I listen to the idea of someone who has a different political stance than me and it's a good idea, why would I discount it? And, and it maybe goes to we get the sense we, we almost attach like this deep sense of identity to to the political um, stripe that we adhere to. And if you anything that threatens that, I would rather um, ignore good advice from you and distance myself from you because you have a different political opinion than, than come together. And it's like, where do the, how do we even get to this place of this huge divide? <sighs> Yeah, I mean, well, I think it's I think it's gotten even worse than that. I mean, I've 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 heard of nurses. I follow a lot of nurses on on social media and stuff, and I know some personally that that the, the experience in hospitals right now is bananas. It's people coming in who are so, uh, for lack of a better term, red pilled that they they have COVID and die from COVID, and the entire way are claiming they don't have it because they don't think it's real. And granted, that's, that's, those are fringe cases, right? They're very small, right, right, right. Yeah, small yeah. number, but that's how divided people are politically that, 
you know, I always say some people just won't believe it until it hits them in the face. People are getting hit in the face and it's hitting their families in the face. And they're just not, they just don't believe it because it's just yeah. been so politicized. And I don't, I genuinely don't know what to do about that. So we've gone from, we've gone from, in two years, we've gone from a virus escaping that we don't understand anything about it. If you remember, like the first thing we did is say, don't wear masks and put everybody on a ventilator, right? We had it all wrong at first, right? In hindsight, we can say, hey, maybe we should have told people to treat whatever, you know, take whatever paste or whatever. Like, we didn't know. We're learning this month by month. Every month, if you look back to the previous month, we look insane, right? But because we politicized it early on, we basically, we, we took the precaution out of it, right? Like, we took, yeah. the, we took just the basic, like, hold on, let's be really careful what we do next. Or yeah. let's, let's, let's try to limit risk, right? Um, risk risk is a funny thing that we're not very good at. We're not good at statistical modeling mentally and we're not good at understanding risk. And when the risk is total, right? If, if failure could potentially mean the failure of an entire system, whether it be your government's healthcare system or your government itself, or just your own self, your own body, your own family's lives, we don't, we don't model that very well. And I don't know what to do about that. Genuinely, I could recommend books maybe, but, <laughs> but it's very difficult to, it's, it's difficult to patch this one up. We really, we've messed it up really badly and we're going to be living with it for a very long time yeah. for a variety of reasons. And like I said to you the other night, John, um, you can make a pretty solid argument for every side of the, the equation. You know, the, the, the people who mm -hmm. think everybody should stop what they're doing and listen to Fauci, there's been times where he's been great. There's other people who think he's the devil incarnate. It's like, well, he got a point. He did. He got. He messed some stuff up, and he was the spokesperson for the administration, right? Yeah. Who, who the, the president didn't listen to, but like, you know, a lot of people just just spouting off all these different messages and just absolute chaos in a time where you really needed people united in at least identifying the problem. You know, and something I often say in conversations at work or among people is like, first, let's identify the problem. What are we trying to solve? Let's do that first. Then we can argue about how to do it. But until you have a really pristine idea of what you're dealing with, which we didn't have in January of 2020, we just didn't, right? Until we have a yeah. better idea, we have to take the ultimate precaution. You know, it's, it's, to me, it's almost, it's like a moral imperative of humanity to, 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 when you don't know, you don't know how fast that car is coming at you, that you don't wait and find out. You get out of the road, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and you, get, you know, get everybody out of the road, even the people who are sick. You know, if a car drives up on the sidewalk and kills five people, you don't go back and be like, "Well, if that one wasn't so fat, he could have got out of the way." Maybe you're right, but the guy still <laughs> drove the car on the sidewalk, right? Yeah, like it's the, that's the a really good analogy. There's a very yeah. pristine problem we have here. You, your guys are absolutely right in the healthcare sense. Yeah, the U.S. is an absolute mess. We've talked about for-profit healthcare bananas right it's, <laughs> yes. it's, a, it's a broken system or lack of a system but but there's 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 so many we're getting actually really good at identifying all the problems <laughs> we haven't solved any of them and we're still not even being careful with the original one so it's like i don't know i don't know what to do i i don't have any answers so i'm not gonna sorry this podcast is supposed to solve all the problems i'm just gonna probably pick up more and, and walk away <laughs> Well, this is the first fire. <laughs> you get to start the first one. <laughs> well, I, I get some hoses. Yeah, I, I like that analogy. Like, yeah, someone on the sidewalk gets hit by the car, and you say, well, if they weren't so fat, they could get out of the way faster. It's like it's too late at that point. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, and, and you're not wrong. Like maybe they could, yeah, have, but but also like there was a car on the sidewalk, and we need to figure out how to keep that from happening again. Yeah. Yeah. 
the 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 Fauci piece of oh, we'll pick on Fauci or pick on him like he cares. He doesn't even know we exist and doesn't care that we exist. Let's be real. <laughs> but you know, I think he's like a symbolic representation in one sense of the divide. But you know, the thing that I was trying to explore or understand is how did we get how did our trust get so eroded? How did we get so cynical and jaded? And again, I, I agree with I'm on the same page with you, Kyle. When you say like let's put out the fire first, but of course now that we're this far into it, I'm 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 trying to sit back and go like. You know, had we not had such cynical mistrust in our institutions because of how they have behaved, you know, in hindsight, I mean, so I get it, it's so easy to say this in hindsight, but we might have been able to get more buy in or we might have been able to prevent some right. of the deaths that happened. Yeah, if, if, and so it, it, it's, it's, I don't think it's almost not fair to try and assign blame retroactively, but it's like when people don't. That's never fair. You should yeah. never, you should never do. I mean, sorry to interrupt, but like, you don't want to. No, no, sure. It's, I don't, I think philosophically it's a bad idea to go back and say that guy is bad. You can say that guy yeah. is wrong, but if you go right, back right, and right. Say that guy's bad, if you're making whatever decisions you make is based on the information you have at the time. And right. the only good purpose of going back is to say next time we can do differently. Yeah. But if you have so many people, right. we're doing a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking on a lot of this stuff, and, and you, it's all fair. It's 100% fair. But I mean, at some point, you got to look forward, right? Yeah. I mean, I got to disagree with that in that okay. <laughs> with that being said, they didn't have all of the information and they threw the ball like they did. So they 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 quarterbacked the ball like they had all the information and they made everybody who had questions seem like they were wrong for having questions. So I yeah, think no, that's, that's another that's, issue, too. Yeah, no, that you're yeah, you're not wrong about that. And, and like I say, I. I'm being I'm being duplicitous here because I've been trashing what he was saying early on and then saying you shouldn't judge him for it. I mean, I was judging him at the time. I was like, you don't yeah. tell people not to wear masks. It doesn't matter if you have enough masks or not. You tell people to put them on, create the demand, and you will. We love supply side economics in this country. Right? <laughs> yeah. You create the demand, and then somebody will fill it, right? Yeah. The, the, yeah. Set, the, gen, the uh, Surgeon General at the time was showing people how to fold shirts to make masks out of rubber bands and all that. Like, there's there's things you can do. Um, and, and yeah, like <laughs> there's some, some famous interviews with some people who were in the, uh, in the, the war room with the president at the time who, who sat there with all his people and they all got there and they got their message and they walked out to the podium and the commander in chief said something completely different. And so, yeah, the messaging was all over the place because in, <laughs> in a room of five people, they couldn't come up with one message, you know? So yeah, yeah I mean, that's yeah. a lesson learned, right? It's like, just pick a message and stick to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, and and not to not to knock anybody's political position or belief, but I think that the timing of this and the the leadership at the time probably wasn't well wasn't a good mix. Yep. Um, and not to say that anybody else would have done it better, but I think there would have been at least possibly a consistent message, at least a more consistent message. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, messaging is is everything, right? I mean, that that you know, the president of the country can't come give you a mask. But he definitely could, you know, the, the, one of the things we hire those guys to do is come up with good messaging. Right. Right. You know, they're, they're figureheads in a lot of ways. Right. And, you know, like a good CEO of a company, the CEO of the company doesn't pop any rivets or, or anything. But yeah. he, can, he can tell you, you know, here's the agenda. Here's what we need to do. Right. Um, you know, a responsible thing. Again, we didn't know much at the time, but a responsible thing, in my opinion, would have been to say, hey, this thing's coming. We don't know what it is. Let's be careful about it. And, yeah. and let's, you can even message it, you know, different people hear different things. I, I, we've been talking about this too, about how people sort of receive information differently. Some people, you know, 
see things yeah. practically, some th see things very myth mythologically or whatever. But there's ways that you can speak to all those audiences to say like, hey, it's mm -hmm. really important. You go like, hey, we're being attacked by a virus. Say it that way, right? People love being yeah. famous. Like, <laughs> they love going to war, right? We're going to war against this virus. Let's defeat it, you know? But instead, yeah. they kind of just like do it about it or whatever. So that, that sounds like so American. We're going to war. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a, there's uh, a subset of the populace that loves that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the other part of it is, and again, it, I, I keep deferring back to your analogy of put out the house fire first, even when I talk. And, and that's why I sort of want to preface it before I put this point forward, because it's like, I understand that we still got to take care of the fire first, but you look at the revolving door between say the FDA and Pfizer, for example, no one, like, it, I guess we can't, we can't be entirely annoyed if people are like, I feel a little bit suspicious about this because you look at the, the FDA and you look at the sort of the board of this pharmaceutical company and the sort of the revolving door and say like, how much sort of corruption slash collusion slash political backhand, you know, not backhanding. Well, maybe there was backhanding too, but <laughs> um, it, it, it's just, just this, again, erosion of trust because these institutions have been so, so badly corrupted. And again, we can't go back and fix it. It was too, it was too late. Like maybe the trust was lost before the pandemic even hit us. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, for sure. So it's like moving forward to your point of like moving forward. It's like, how do we restore trust or can we even restore mm. trust? Yeah. Is it possible to bridge the gap between people? Cause I think the three of us hold slightly different views around this, but we're still able to have a pretty civil discussion about it. Yeah. Um, is there, and I think that's why I want to have these conversations is this whole idea is, can we come together and say at the end of the day, the goal of the conversation isn't to be right or wrong. It's, you know, here, here's the common problem we have and we bring our different perspectives and we go like, at, have we come up with something at the end of this where it feels like we can at least take a forward step? Um, having ability to agree, agree to disagree. I think if, if somebody disagrees, it automatically, you know, well, let me not say this on the internet, but um, there, there's automatically everybody has pulling everything out and saying, nope, I don't agree with you. And um, automatically you're wrong. And then we go huddle with our team who sees everything our way. And, and we kind of, we kind of call the plays from there. Nobody wants to come together. It's like the bridge that I talked about where bridges are meant to be crossed and they're meant to cross one place, connect one place to another and cross over. But we create these ideas in our mind that says, well, nope, this is the bridge here. And if you go on that side of the bridge, that side of the bridge is red. So you can't go over there. You go on that side of the bridge is blue. So you can't go to the blue side because if you go to the blue side, you're going to look like one of them. And then we don't accept you anymore. And people, um, for whatever reason, the society is just overwhelmingly wanting to be accepted, I think, in a general sense. Yeah, and important. lacking the acceptance is like, OK, if you don't accept me, they won't accept me because they know I was with you. You won't accept me because I went over there to go shopping. Then I feel like I'm homeless. And then hence you get a lot of the problems that we have now. People are jumping out of windows. People are doing all these kind of things, taking their lives because there's a lack of acceptance or there's this false sense of acceptance that because you're connected through this affiliation or through this political party, you're one of us. But in reality, it's not driven by the innate unity. It's driven by an agenda. Yeah, I, that's that's a tough one because so much of our information systems are based on kind of the profit model of, of um, you know, the more we piss you off. We, yeah, the, it's, it used to be if it bleeds, it leads. It's like now if it's like if it's screaming, it leads, and and it doesn't matter. Like I, this is something I I've been very discouraged about is is I think um, 
I've noticed, at least in, in my sort of friend circles and stuff, I'm not sure that, A, I'm, I'm discouraged when people can't tell if something is true and if they're being grifted by, by politicos from either side or professional grifters at this point, honestly. There's right. so many of them now. What I'm really disappointed about is that they don't seem to want to. And I don't, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know. Yeah. We, you know, it's, I was, I'm very naive. When I was in college, when social media was kind of turned into a thing, I was so excited because I was like, man, I, now you can get information from anybody. You can, you know, you can go, if you want to go learn something, you can go some Harvard professor, you can go get them. Right. And unfortunately there's too much information now and you can yeah. create filter bubbles around exactly what you want. And so if you only want to hear what Ben Shapiro and his buddies think, you can find that. If you only right. want to hear Bill Maher or whatever, you can do that. And, and I'm guilty of it, too. I, I've honestly I've gone through and was like calling my social media just a couple of days ago because I was tired yeah. of stuff. But it's like I try to keep my finger in areas that I don't exactly agree with because there yes. might be some value there. And honestly, yeah. I've changed a lot. I'll, I'll be honest. I've changed politically significantly, maybe done a 180 even in the last two years, partially because having a foot in both sides, I've kind of seen like on certain issues, one side maybe fits a little bit better. And, right. but as far as being prescriptive about what to do next, I have no idea. I, I don't know the, the best I can do like John you, or like both of you have been saying, like, it's just to, to kind of reach out and try to try to um, sort of just be welcoming to everybody, you know, cause I don't, cause you're not going to win by force. At the, yeah. 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 It's just not going to happen. And it's, and that's all everybody's trying. And so people are just, Polarize every every single little every single um, disturbance is causing the magnetic poles to just you know go to their sides, and and yeah. it's it feels. It, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit nihilistic about it. I don't know what I don't know yeah. how to it because it's it's you know somebody was asking me recently like where do you go for news like how do you find like just just news like where do you go to find just somebody who's who's just reporting what's happening? I just want to know the facts, and I was like I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I I'm not saying that to be like, oh, I'm better than the news or whatever. I, I I don't mean that in like a sort of high and mighty sort of way. I genuinely didn't right. know one source. I know what I do, which is I try to go on to social media where I can find like people who are on the ground dealing with the actual problem. That's kind of my methodology. And I'll follow, you know, <laughs> when the Russia thing came up, I went and made myself a Russia list of all these people who live in the UK <laughs> and Russia, you know, just to see what they're tweeting out hour by hour. Because it's like, I don't, I don't trust what Fox or MSNBC are going to say about it, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, that's an individual level. I can do that for myself. I don't know. Collectively, I'm not, I'm not sure. You know, it's just more conversations yeah. like this, I guess. Well, like what, what I try to do is I try to pick, uh, in try, I actually try to pick like talking heads on both sides of the aisle because if they're talking about it, then, okay, maybe it's something, something that's like worth, worth looking into. So I'll listen to both perspectives. And I think what makes it really difficult is there's always like grains of truth in what they're saying. They're not, they're not right, blatantly right. lying, but there's, there's always a spin that makes it go uh, uh, like, I can, uh, you know, as you start yeah. to figure out how to listen to this, you can, you can feel it, but there's, you can't entirely discount it because there's grains, there's grains of truth in what they're sharing. And so, um, I think that, that probably the best thing we could do for ourselves is be willing and open to uh, looking at so, listening to different voices from different perspectives and then, and then trying to sift through all of that and go, okay, you know, what, what, what feels reasonably true with me? So. Yeah. Oh. And, and true is a funny word, right? We were talking well, about yeah, that. Yeah. True, is, true is whatever you want it to be on. Yeah, unfortunately. And I think yeah. that, but I think that, um, you know, that, I've been thinking more along the lines of well, what's functional, like as far as COVID, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, 
is this is this working or not? And I don't know what's true. We're not going to know what's true about COVID, about vaccines, about the medications or whatever. We're not going to really have a good data set for a long time. I, I had a friend who at the yeah. very beginning was like, I'm not going to worry about COVID. I'm going to wait till there's some data. I'm going to wait for the data. I'm an engineer. I wait for data. And I'm like, I'm an engineer and I don't wait for data. I make sure it's safe first and then I get the data. You know, the yeah. data the data in something like COVID is a lot of dead people. So I'm not going to wait for that. You know, <laughs> you know, let's be careful about what we wish for here. But, yeah. um, but it's, it's what's functional at the time. And I think that, you know, for myself and, and for the conversations I have, it's all about like, how can we, how can we um, model, model precaution, you know, model, model yeah. um, uncertainty. What do we do with uncertainty? It's just start out thinking that you don't know. That's a really good place is I don't yeah. know. So, so I'm not going to try to be right yet. And that's, that's really hard for me because I love being right. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like don't we all, but, but I, I want to, Every time I read something, every time something new happens, a lot of times, John, you've messaged me like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, I, I'm still in my 48 hour. I don't know, period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to sit on it. Even if I'm just thinking about it to myself, even if I'm not reading anything, I have to sit there and just mull it over because it's like, man, 48 hour me is not the same mm-hmm. as zero hour me. You know? No, I agree. Yeah. And, and it's funny. Yeah. I, th- I throw these things in like both of your direction. And I've got like a few people. I'm like, I'm going to throw this in your direction and throw this in your direction because I don't even trust my own emotional biases. And it's like, I want to yeah. hear it through your filter because I trust you, you know, like, it's not that you're necessarily right or that we always agree, but I know that you're going to come back with something that's going to make me think. And, and uh, I, I'm the same way that I'm like, I want to sit back even, you know, we're going to wrap this up here in just a minute. Cause I got to go put my kid in, in jammies and, and you know, uh, Lamar's got to go to bed cause he's on the East coast and, and Kyle, you got, yes. you probably got kids wow. bedtimes too. <laughs> I got me bedtime too. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, but the idea is I just, I just try to run things through different, I, I, call, I guess I don't mean to call you just a filter, but I mean, I, I try to listen to people who I, you, you're just a filter. It's like, what do you think about this? Let's talk about this because you're going to, I know like Kyle, you're going to challenge my position and my ideas and you do it in a respectful way. And I really appreciate that. Same thing with you, Lamar. You know, when the BLM protests were happening, I went to, you and know, I was like, Hey man, I know nothing about this, you yeah. know, and you, you opened my eyes to so much that I, I had never even considered it never entered my sphere of consciousness. And you know, I actually had to check my my sort of ego and bias a little bit because I felt, I, you know, I felt a little bit confronted when I was hearing this stuff because it was like, oh my gosh, I'm hearing things that I've never thought yeah, about. Yeah. And I, I, but you were so gracious about it too. You were like, let me just explain it to you. And and I think it's it's that it's the willingness to say, hey, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat you for your ignorance. I'm I'm actually just gonna right. I'm gonna come you know meet yeah. you where you're at and try and try and see if we can go somewhere. And I think that's a two way street because you were willing to hear. Even though some things were uncomfortable, you were willing to hear you had an openness. So I guess in in a conclusion, I would say that this really begins with openness on on whoever's part, on everybody's part, whoever's going to be involved, whoever's willing to be involved with finding solutions and knowing that you're going to be uncomfortable, knowing that growth never came without the resistance, knowing that if you're going to get stronger, anytime you, you, you get under a squat bar, for example, you may throw 25s on there, but then eventually if you keep lifting, if you keep going and putting yourself under the resistance, you'll notice that the strength to be able to stand under more weight and more pressure begins to grow. Mm. So I think that becomes the foundation, being able and being willing to to be open to hear something that that's not in alignment with what you may be accustomed to hearing, whether you agree with it or not. And if you don't agree with it, you have the freedom to not agree. Or if you have a different perspective at the same time, 
reciprocate that and be open to receive the same the same thing that you've given from somebody else who may have a different perspective from you. And then, like you said, in that there'll be a bridge where we can connect on A, B and C. We may not connect on D, but guess what? The end of the day, we're still going out. We're going to hang out. We're going to have some dinner. We're going to have some fun. And then, you know, we'll call it a night and we'll come back tomorrow and do it again. Let's do that. We're going to call it a night and uh, we're going to come back next week and, and, and do it again. So we'll, we'll tackle something else. So thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining me and humoring me. And we'll chat again next week. We've created a foundation of basing who we are on the response we get from people. People are expressing to somebody else out of the dislike maybe for themselves. When you can respond with compassion, you know you've learned to develop a certain amount of love and respect and appreciation for yourself. Compassion allows us to look at these things and to see them as they are with a desire to understand without the need to judge. And in that space, that's where we create powerful transformational change.